Welcome home for the holidays, everyone. This is Tales from the Rec Room, where we slap some blonde hair on a pre-existing podcast and call it something different. I'm your host, Bree Rohde, and I forgot that we had an arsler in this movie. And who is with me on the line today? I'm Liz. I'm bitchin'. Great hair. The boys all love to stare. Yay! You do have great hair, Liz. I've always meant Thank to tell you, you that. Thank um, you. I appreciate that. Well, welcome home for the holidays, Liz. Um, I'm so happy to be home for the holidays. <laughs> well, and uh, as we've had the debate about who is the best friend of the show, I think, uh, you know, so you, Kelsey, and Mike have all come to the table throughout this special holidays week. But I think you are definitely the best friend of the I'm show. I'm honored. Yeah. I'm so honored. It's it's truly a privilege and I don't take it for granted. I the diff- you don't have children. I will say Mike has his <laughs> children call me Auntie Bree. So that, that's true. Yeah, that does work in his favor. But I feel like you and I have yelled a lot more, and that is the true sign of friendship. I'm kind of an Adrian Pimento guttural yell to the sky kind yes. of friend. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think yelling is a very key component. And also, um, if I could teach Ellie to call you Auntie Bree, I would. <laughs> so that's an unfair advantage on Mike's half. <laughs> I do refer to all my friends like with my my dog, because since we last spoke, I have a dog now. <laughs> I know! He's, he looks exactly, uh, to listeners, he looks exactly like the dog from the Simpsons. Um, he is half Greyhound, so or, yeah. Something. I was wondering. Uh, they, they, I mean, he's a mutt, but like ultimately, yeah. they think like Whippet Chihuahua Cross, which is called Chihuahuas. Yeah, that sounds um, like a weird drug that like the kids are taking these days. <laughs> I wanted to call it a Whippy Wawa, which just kind of sounds like the Thai Cats cheer. Um, <laughs> speaking of sports, because you are kind of the expert of this show on all things involving sports and 2000s classic sleepover movies. And hey, why not just throw in, you are also an expert on beautiful ladies. Um, so Liz, welcome to our holiday spectacular where we celebrate the only thing prettier than a partridge in a pear tree, and that is a year 2000 Kirsten Dunst. Uh, and today we're talking about a sports movie that will never be called a sports movie because it was about girls, and that's Bring It On. <laughs> Yay! Uh, now Liz you've been on the show more times than I can count but if you can tell me a bit about why you jumped on the opportunity to talk about bring it on in particular well this of all the Kirsten Dunst movies I think this is the one I've seen the most Mm -hmm. I was like going through it in my head earlier when I was actually scrolling her IMDb and I was like oh god damn the girl works but (laughs) she does uh, (laughs) I'm so happy for her (laughs) and she just had another trailer come out today like she never stops um but yeah bring it on is definitely one of the ones i've seen the most and probably the one that even if like i wasn't engaging with it directly at the time Mm -hmm. had the most influence on me because (laughs) i grew up in a post bring it on world (laughs) yes I, I think you're, for me, because we're about five years apart, um, like my, because I was very immersed in Bring It On when it came out. I feel like that for me is Clueless. I never engaged mm. with Clueless when it came out, but I was living in the post-Clueless world and it influenced so much about like my tween coming of age um, mm. without me even knowing it sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, it's the same with Bring It On. Like yeah. I, I watched Bring It On a bunch like as a kid, but it didn't like sink in sort of thing. And then once I like watched it like as like a functioning adult with like mm-hmm. a frontal lobe, I was like oh my god that's where this is from yeah (laughs) oh this movie is like i I will say similar to our halloween uh episode of majora's mask which nobody listened to but people should go and listen to it because i don't get to sound smart talking about video games often um this is one weird one where people especially people my age will like retroactively like kind of rewrite history and remember it as like oh people thought this movie was stupid and this movie like had terrible reviews it actually didn't this movie mm-hmm. had amazing reviews so i i don't want to say like bring it on was ever was never regarded as like 
People Act Like Bring It On has been underrated. I think it's actually been very well rated its Mm -hmm. whole life. But at the same time, it is a movie that I think men will write off. I think that's very fair to say. And like I said, it is a sports movie that will never be called a sports Mm -hmm. movie. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Now, because no one listens to the end of the episode, tell us where we can find, (laughs) follow, and come up with bad faith interpretations of the thing you say (laughs) online. I don't know. Are you still on Twitter, Liz? I am. I'm still in the bad place. I have a Blue Sky account, and then I just, every day, I'm like, what's up with Twitter? What's going on? (laughs) Like, I love the whatever's happening here. Today, links weren't working. It was great. It's a new adventure every day. Uh, but yeah, you can still follow me on Twitter uh, at yeah, no for sure, uh, where I tweet about hockey and um, increasingly the stupid politicians in this country. I mean, that was kind of something I was doing already, but you know, just more. But they're worse now. They're worse. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> I you're gonna be so proud of me I actually full-on deactivated my Twitter account I'm before so I just gotten I before I just gotten rid of the app I'm just like yeah I, I ain't using this <laughs> every time like I realize that there's a friend that's like I I'm I have become Ben Affleck in Goodwill Hunting where every day I go to your door and I'm hoping that you're gone and you've left to go be smart somewhere else outside of a fucking heaven and like it, so when I see that you're gone I'm just like oh, yes I <laughs> I, I was... go to my construction job where the links don't work and there's fascists everywhere it's great I don't know why I thought you were going in the direction of you saying, like, you were Ben Affleck. Sorry. (laughs) Why am I laughing so much? I need to cut this, but it's, okay. Ben Affleck, like, clutching your Duncan for dear life. I'm just like, what does this have to do with Twitter? (laughs) Because I kind of forgot that Goodwill Hunting existed. <laughs> in a world where goodwill hunting no longer exists oh is that like that movie yesterday <laughs> boston is so underrepresented in media without it it's it, they're, they're in a sad state we are less than 10 minutes into this and we are so <laughs> off the rails this is like a real good pro episode mm-hmm. uh okay so bring it on <laughs> um <laughs> why oh it's been a clearly a long day with not enough social interaction um so um you did kind of allude to this but you, did you see this movie in theaters or was it home viewing it was absolutely a home viewing mm-hmm. most likely the first time i ever watched this was a sleepover oh probably yeah a classic sleepover movie and a good sleepover movie a very good like, one yeah deserves the recognition it still gets um i feel like my friend probably had like a burnt copy of it or something Mm -hmm. like that and then this became one of those movies that's very much like forrest gump to me where it was constantly on cable and so i've probably seen it like sat down at the beginning and watched it to the end like a handful of times but i've seen it from certain points numerous times like i'm like oh cool they're about to go to like nationals oh they're about to go do this or like it's just constantly in the background on like mm-hmm. TBS. <laughs> I saw this movie in the theater. I think it was an end of summer release and I saw it with uh, my mother and brother. And I remember thinking at the time because I was 11 years old, what would my brother who is 14, like, why would he want to see this movie? <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a mystery. <laughs> yeah. I'm just surprised he was comfortable seeing that movie with his uh, sister and mother. But I mean, that, that don't ask me how the, the teenage boy mind works. Listen, my brother made my mom and I go see the Justin Bieber 3D movie with him. And he <laughs> cried. I'm exposing you, Colby. He cried. I love your um, brother. I don't know anything <laughs> yeah. about him, but I love him. <laughs> and it, teenage boys, they're truly just like an enigma because what's going on up there? None of us know. <laughs> uh, as we were just discussing uh, off the air, the um, the fetuses that are the Leafs' current prospects, um, I, I don't want to know what their hotel rooms look like. It's no. just Cheeto dust and masturbatory remnants. Yeah, um, just horrific. Like no absolutely. one. This is why hotel workers need to unionize and get paid more than the professional athletes. That and Casey begobbing the mirror. Um, oh God. For me, uh, yeah. So theater viewing, but I have to ask, what were your go-to movie snacks of the sleepover era? Sleepover, uh, usually um, cookie dough. Mm -hmm. We would go and just get, like, the Pillsbury Doughboy, like, roll and then just, like, chop it up and ignore the, like, do not mm -hmm. eat raw! Like, because it was before they made the, like, no raw eggs version. Yeah. <laughs> so we all just risked it. Um, but yeah, like, raw cookie dough, um, specifically sweet chili heat Doritos. Uh, and Regular Morgan Riley over here. <laughs> and we had this little, uh, like, convenience store in our town that you could go in and get, like, dollar candy, basically. Mm -hmm. So we would go in and just get, like, a stupid amount of candy and yeah. just eat it all night. Um, so, yeah, I think, like, a few of the other year 2000 movies we've talked about, I was deep into my, like, realizing, oh, the, econ the economics of the kitty combo are bullshit. Um, and so I had dropped the secondary snack and I was purely a popcorn babe at this point, but I will say that if my mom was with me, the odds that we, although it wasn't, it wasn't winter, so she wouldn't have been wearing a jacket. The <laughs> odds of her sneaking in canned pop for us are, oh. they're non-zero. Mm. Even if it was a summer release, she could have been wearing a, a windbreaker or something. Mm -hmm. She was- my mom actually never carried a purse until her 50s. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. For someone who likes smuggling things so much, Diane, <laughs> like. Well, I was going to say, whenever I would go to the actual movie theater, and usually I went with my grandparents, we'd stop at Walmart before, and my nan would just shove candy in her purse. <laughs> yeah. And then we'd be there, and she'd be like, what do you want? My mom like, would put it in her in her pockets. She was she was badass. She liked a good baggy coat. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. Like Marge Simpson in that fucking candy trench coat. <laughs> So uh, was now since this was a sleepover movie, I have to assume this was not a Liz special. This was something that all your friends loved. Oh, absolutely! Like Bring It On was definitely a universally loved film that mm -hmm. I also enjoyed, which was definitely rare for my youth. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned like Clueless off the top. I watched Clueless when I was like thirteen or something. No one else mm -hmm. knew what that was yeah. in my circle. Yeah, but no, Bring It On was huge, and everyone knew the cheers, and, like, you would see people just, like, doing the routine, like, at recess and everything like Yeah, that. that was a big thing, going to school in the, like, immediate post-Bring It On era, um, because I grew up in an area, I don't know about your area, because we're from different bookends of the 705, <laughs> um, but, like, cheerleading was not big where I lived. We had... Um, one of my schools had had a cheer squad for one semester, uh, and then we got our funding cut. Um, so th yeah, this Classic. is an important question. Were you a cheerleader? 
I was not. Okay. I was not. But my high school was really into cheerleading. Like, they fully went to nationals, like, in Chicago. Um, We used to always joke that my high school wanted to be an American high school because (laughs) we were very good at cheerleading and football. Yeah, so that was part of the reason why we did not have, or probably, actually, no, I don't know why we did not have cheerleading, but football in Northern Ontario, um, at least in Kaposkising mm-hmm. and Timmins, was essentially non-existent when I was young. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as I know, Timmins did eventually get football after I left. I I have to assume at this point, I'm like, it's, there's probably insurance reasons. Um, and same with why I have to assume we did not have cheer, because like... Yeah. We had a few mats, but like knowing what I know now as an acrobatics teacher, I'm like, we didn't have like cheese mats. We only had Mm -hmm. like trifolds and then the big ones. Mm -hmm. And so like, yeah, we couldn't necessarily practice, um, practice a a lot of those things, but we did for one semester in grade, when I was in grade 10, have a cheer, uh, a cheer squad, which, uh, I joined with my friend Kyla. Um, so because she basically made me, she's like, (laughs) as most do. She's like, I, she's like, no, I, I'm definitely a flyer, Brie. I'm definitely a flyer. And I'm like, fine, I will lift you. And I would give anything to lift her again. But, uh, so we did go to like the kind of, um, like Canadian, I want to say it was like an Ontario regional thing, but it was in Wonderland every year. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so we went to that, um, and we did terribly. We came in, (laughs) we were one of the last, only like three of us could tumble, um yeah it was it was not good but um but like we didn't have games to cheer at because like we didn't have a football team you can't cheer at a hockey game and our basketball courts were not large enough for cheerleaders (laughs) like the halftime show like we didn't even have like the school banner thing there wasn't a halftime show people went and got snacks at (laughs) halftime Like, See, that's the funny thing, though. We had a football team, but, like, the cheerleaders weren't there. The cheerleaders mm-hmm. were busy going to competitions and kicking ass elsewhere. They were like, we are too good for you. <laughs> we're yeah. too good. <laughs> like, I can also, I suppose part of the reason why we didn't do stuff during basketball season, because, like, football season is not during cheer competition season. Yeah. Football season is the fall, but basketball season is during cheer mm-hmm. competition season. So that mm-hmm. was a big part of it. Um, But then, yeah, like, I'm now I'm looking back and I'm like, our school for celebrating athletes as much as we did, we didn't have cheerleaders, nor did we have a marching band, and we had a really good band. They couldn't teach us to fucking walk. Like I know. I was I was also a band kid. I, I contained depths. I contained the multitudes. I was a cheerleader and I was in fucking youth, or- youth orchestra. Um, so let's talk about the era in which Bring It On was released because uh, we've talked a lot about teen movies on this podcast. We're going to continue to fucking talk about teen movies. Um, you know what? The last one you were on was a sports movie too. So and you're it just... contained teens. So you know yes. we're just <laughs> Can, warning may contain teens. <laughs> but there there are a few movies of this era that I classify as movies about race made for white people. Um, and this is certainly one of them. I won't deny that. It's a movie about race made for white people, but it is undeniably superior to other movies about race uh, yes. for, made for white people from this era. Because you compare this to something like Finding Forrester or Freedom Riders. Um, oh, which, Freedom like, Riders. <laughs> I always think, and I can't, I think this might have actually been a Mad TV sketch and not an SNL sketch. Um, the odds that I remember an M- a Mad TV sketch that is not Stuart. Um, but the nice white lady and that was the like it was the a fake trailer for a movie called nice white lady Mm -hmm. i feel like i remember like seeing like the youtube video of this like go around there's that line of hey thanks nice white lady (laughs) (laughs) like i mean 
was that not Freedom Writers? Am I misremembering? <laughs> well, that's that's the thing is it was absolutely put out the same year, like to as a parody of Freedom Writers. But I, it it runs through my mind now every time I see something like that. Hey, thanks, nice white lady. <laughs> um, it's kind of like it goes hand in hand with like, well, that's enough feminism for me for the day. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like it it offers bring it on is not a white guilt movie. It is a movie that offers commentary and criticism on mm-hmm. white guilt. Like Torrance tries to make it a white guilt movie and Isis is like, nah, uh, no, not on my watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also think it's quite smart because um, aside from the line, like you think a white girl came up with those cheers? Like, I don't think like we really see, we really hear the words white or black. There's definitely no mention of the word race. Like it's not to say like, oh, it's good because they don't talk about race. It's mm-hmm. more that like, it's not spelled out like a fucking after school special. They, they mm-hmm. give their audience some credit. Yes. Um, it's a movie that is broadly about cheerleading, but it's endured in retrospective because you can look back and the more mature you are, like, I mean, I think you know, even when you're a child and you watch it that, oh, it's mm-hmm. about the lack of fairness. It's about, you know, the lack of privilege, but just you, it's more like a fine wine, this movie in terms yeah. of like, you get to about 20 years old and you realize, oh, this movie was really saying something a lot more powerful than I realized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, go go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. And especially with the idea that like, it's not after school special, like dumbing it down. Like you don't have Torrance, like turn to the camera and be like, I'm feeling guilty as a white person. (laughs) And it's like, it reminds me of like, back in my day, when media used to actually take the audience at like its level and like treat them like adults Mm. and like not have to spell things out for them and have to be given these messages through like these really like heavy handed like dialogue or monologue or anything Mm. like that. And yeah like you watch it as a kid and you're like oh that's not fair like they stole their cheers like that's kind of fucked up Mm -hmm. and you also like have that kind of cultural um understanding of like it's california and they're from like a certain part of california sort of thing like you have that understanding of like um compton sort of thing as a kid this was how Um, i learned about compton i will say (laughs) like for like white kids in the suburbs it was like okay okay there's poor school rich school and you could even make those own connections within your own community kind of thing yeah um even if you like you grew up in super white towns like we did there were still poor schools and there were rich schools um and then like you said as you get older you're like holy shit like this is like like you said like cultural appropriation and this is like all of these things and taking credit for like black art and Mm -hmm. like you can apply it to everything that you've like come to understand as you've gotten older but it still doesn't feel preachy or below you or anything like that like it's just a movie with a message that's not just being hammered in on you Mm -hmm. i i will often end up and i i know it's a broken record thing but i'll often end up comparing a lot of teen material to like when i talk about modern teen stuff the show never have i ever and that's frankly just because that was the last like teen targeted show i watched Mm -hmm. um which i i i liked it but it's very very clearly made in the 2020s Mm -hmm. and um like i will say I'm I'm always surprised that more people don't realize when there is a character who is in therapy um, that therapy is used as a storytelling device. Yeah. That is why, <laughs> like, yes, it's good to go to therapy and stuff. Um, and the, the character in Never Have I Ever probably should be in therapy. But, like, 
when you have a therapy setup, you have the person being able to spell out what they were feeling and what they were thinking and what they were saying. And so I feel like if Bring It On were made in 2023, we'd have a scene of like Torrance, like meeting with a therapist or something like that. So she could say like, I didn't realize how much my privilege was blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, it's like, whereas, you know, because this was made in 2000 and we didn't want to have those conversations, it's almost better because we could actually see Kirsten Dunst her face and the way mm-hmm. her face changes as she's like when when she asks Isis like why are you being so mean it's like oh dear your worldview is getting challenged you sweet summer child <laughs> oh baby girl <laughs> um so can I just say on the topic of white versus black art one of my favorite things about how they demonstrate the differences between how the clovers do their cheers versus how the Tauros do it is the clovers clap on the two and the four and the Tauros <laughs> clap on the one and the three now listeners who might be rhythmically challenged. What that means is when the Clovers do it, it's, I say burr, it's cold in here. There must be some Tauros in the atmosphere. God, I sound like Miss Bree in my teacher voice. The Clovers Five, is, six, seven, I eight. say burr, it's cold in here. There must be some Clovers in the atmosphere. That, um, to, now, white people and nerds like me, we call that syncopation. But and it is syncopation, but it's just it's just clapping on the two. Mm-hmm. And like I'm sure everyone has seen that joke on the internet, right? About how white people like you fucking know that they're white because they clap on the two. We clap on the two. Or, sorry, we white people clap blood. on we we clap on the one. Sorry. We so, clap on the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, no. Clapping yeah. on the two makes you cool. And like even they they incorporate stepping and they do a few things like I'm a tap dancer and tap dance is a black American art. And so like I can at least say like I appreciate what they are doing so much. The mm-hmm. choreography in this movie is insane. Like, it's so good. It's, like it's so good. <laughs> there is a lot of bad choreography in the movies in, in the year 2000. I'm, I'm looking at you step, uh, not step up. Um, Cause that's not how even dare too- you. <laughs> Save the last dance. Save the last dance. Yes. One of the one of these days, there's going to be a Speaking tales from the white rec room. Of black art. <laughs> oh. One of these days, there's going to be a tales from the rec room featuring you and Rachel and I just hate watching through <laughs> Save the Last Dance. Um, but yeah, like I feel like all the choreographic talent was used up in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, so I was also when I was looking uh, on when I was looking in my research doc for like examples of white guilt movies uh, during this era. <laughs> I'm going to admit this on the air. I googled like movies about racism 2000s and these are some of the examples and not even that low down that Google brought my way. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. You don't mess with the Zohan and me, myself and Irene. Oh my God. There's also like two Adam Sandler's on though. I know. Can we just like for a second, I know you've done an Adam Sandler in the previous iteration of this podcast, an Adam Sandler uh, episode, but like Adam Sandler has such a good rep right now, considering what I watched him do in the 2000s. Right. Like he's just like, oh, he's a cool old guy who wears basketball shorts. (laughs) And I'm like, you didn't sit through. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Oh, man. Like. Uh, that was a movie that uh, my family rented at Blockbuster one weekend and we sat through the whole thing and my dad just was like what is this what is happening now, I can't why is out. this happening are you saying that this was like some light homophobia on Mr. Liz's part or was oh, it that he absolutely. just couldn't stand the movie because it's terrible uh, no that was this was uh, absolutely light homophobia on Jim's behalf um, I will call also, apparently we're just calling out my family today <laughs> But you know what? On this podcast, we love and respect Terry. 
Exactly. Terry is our queen. (laughs) And we do love and respect my mother, Diane, even though in yesterday's episode, I made some allegations about her potentially being in the closet. (laughs) (laughs) Mom doesn't know what a podcast is. No. No. Um, I love you, mom. Um, But yeah, so I also think this this movie is amazing. um, But like this movie turned out like it was just something fun that screenwriter jessica bendiger wanted to she wanted to share her love of cheerleading and hip-hop music and she like sat producers down and showed them like videos of cheerleading competitions because at the time people again like now i think everyone knows that cheerleading is a hardcore sport i do Um, because there was like the netflix series and mm -hmm. there's been like tv shows on tlc and it's been like pushed more to like the forefront and this movie yeah yeah absolutely yeah but um, I, she was like, look at this. Look at how cool this is. And um, I love this quote from executive producer Max Wong, though, because like he was talking about how this, was, this movie was really hard to pitch. And he'd said, Hollywood wants the last, ba- last best thing, not the next best thing. Um, and this was passed on by so many production companies because there hadn't been a movie like this before. And so like when I say bring it on was revolutionary, like I'm not being like ironic, like or like, ah, ha, ha, this teen girl movie is actually revolutionary because I like it. No, this movie is revolutionary. Um, and like that's before you even factor in the racial and cultural aspect, because a lot of that came later. Um, mm-hmm. Jonathan Demme, re- director of Science of the Lambs, called this script the freshest thing he'd read in ages. Like. Which... First of all, I love the early 2000s. The script is fresh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like... Thanks, Jonathan Demi. <laughs> Do you ever get that not-so-fresh feeling? <laughs> <laughs> this is also just such a good, uh, like, example of movies used to... Like, you would have to go through a lot of different production companies, but you could still potentially get it made mm-hmm. by an actual production company that's not like of course streaming didn't exist then we didn't have that option but like you could get movies made that Mm. were different and had a different lens to them yeah like it's it's so like wild to think about well and just i mean and Maybe I'm wrong on this because I haven't read into a lot of the histories of some of the more recently made movies. Maybe because some of the more recently made movies just haven't been that interesting. Um, Oops. Um, But, like, you don't hear of that anymore of, like, oh, my God, this project was in development hell for, like, a fucking Mm -hmm. decade and we couldn't pitch it and stuff. It's, like, because everything that gets put out is extremely safe nowadays. Mm -hmm. I would say the last thing, and this isn't a movie, but everyone talks about it like it's a movie anyway, is um, my, my fave, The Queen's Gambit. Mm -hmm. um because that was a develop like i think i think that one was optioned before streaming was a thing Mm -hmm. um because the book was written in the 80s Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah that was absolutely safe from development hell and i actually feel like streaming is the only reason that that uh, series got made because Mm -hmm. that works as a mini series not a movie yeah Uh, and now like we're in this mini series like fucking era but yeah like i i can imagine if bring it on were pitched in 2023 it would become like a weird ass minis like six episode mini series because It'd it be a- does it does have movements the mm-hmm. movie it like you have kind of like the the third episode would be like them going to regionals you know yeah you could absolutely split it into a mini series and also i feel like this would be like something netflix would be like oh yeah let me take that and then also let's have like there's so many opportunities for like sponsors and mm-hmm. like there's so many opportunities to throw in this random celebrity that like here's a job for you kind of like it's 
it's so interesting to think about this as like what it would be like now <laughs> both in the perspective of like the script like like you said you'd have like Torrance at a therapist and being like mm-hmm. I have privilege and like all of that but then also like what how would it like even just the like would the choreography be as good I don't think so no I think not that they would CGI the shit out of that because oh they don't want to pay yeah. anyone <laughs> like- I do love reading like the oral history of bring it on uh because you have like Eliza Dushku and Gabrielle Union and some of the more like actory actors talking about how difficult they found it mm-hmm. and Kirsten Dunst is just like I liked it I had fun like I, oh I was a cheerleader in the eighth grade I'm like <laughs> Okay, girl. Like <laughs> she can do anything. Mm-hmm. And like she hasn't um besides Spider-Man done a lot of action girl stuff and yet like this proves like this small soldier's like she is a secret action girl. Mm-hmm. She might be the cutest little button of an action girl <laughs> there ever was. Yeah. Um if only will... they made action movies for women still. <laughs> oh, but that that aren't fucking Marvel movies and military ads. <sighs> I'm really glad Kirsten Dunst has never tried to recruit me. I was about to say, like, yeah, please get behind me, Kirsten. Do not do anything with Marvel. At risk mill you. That stands for army. <laughs> um, uh, so there, now there's a fairly specific genre of movies, though, from this era, um, which I also call the can you believe how much crazy work and dedication goes into this female activity genre? Can you believe? <laughs> which on one hand, like it's it's nice to be seen as someone mm-hmm. who dedicates themselves to to dance and no one understands it. It's nice to be seen. But it's also interesting because like. You don't make a big deal of it when it's a hockey movie. You don't yeah, make you're a like, big deal of it when it's a football movie. It's like, yeah, of course they work hard. You know? It's fucking football. Of course you can work hard. Yeah, like, like so we we spoke about this in yesterday's episode on Drop Dead Gorgeous, but like you had the pageant movies, which like Drop Dead Gorgeous, Miss Congeniality, Beautiful, those are all relatively realistic portrayals of how much work goes into beauty pageants. Uh, and, and smashing the these are just for bimbo stereotypes. Um, you had the big dance movies of this era, which like, we've all got to show how fucked up their feet are. <laughs> got to show. Zoom in on the toes. Zoom you know in on what? the toes. <laughs> Liz, I don't know if I've ever told you this very intimate detail in my life, but I don't have pinky toenails. Oh. Yeah, I point have, shoes. Um, if we're sharing feet stories, I have like knuckles on my toes from like being on point. Like, yeah, yeah. I have bunions. That's like mm-hmm. a genetic thing, but point yeah. made it worse. Um, mm-hmm. Point by the makes way, everything worse. <laughs> <laughs> all the foot fetish people are listening to the podcast right, right now. Like, <laughs> they're like, oh yes, I've been waiting. <laughs> but yeah, um, also I will say my personal favorite. I don't know if you've seen this movie, but I do think you'd like it. Ice Princess. I absolutely watched that on like Family Channel. Oh, thank Channel God! Because a lot of people haven't seen that movie. Like, it was kind of a flop, but I love that movie because I love Joan Cusack. But um, I, and Kim Cattrall, um, Canadian but, icon, <laughs> absolutely Canadian icon. But yeah, aside from um, things that a few more like experienced cheerleaders than I have pointed out, like there are some apparent rule violations in the regionals and national routines. Like, because like it's really specific cheerleading. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not allowed to be like more than two bodies high. You're not allowed to do like more than one full rotation stuff like that and i'm sure these rules get updated all the time Mm -hmm. um because if if cheer and gymnastics is anything like dance um the level of skill among juveniles has gone up so much in the last Mm -hmm. 20 years well and also like going along with that what the human body can do and what we've learned that we can like train it to do and everything like that I'm pretty sure that most of the intermediate competitive dancers I was teaching the other night were made at Boston Dynamics. Like <laughs> the children are taller. <laughs> they are. I'm not a short person and I'm shorter than every single one of them. And they're 13. Children. Um, 
but yeah so um like a lot of people have talked about what an incredibly accurate portrayal though this is of elite cheerleading um and like i think any elite competitive sport demands this kind of dedicated dedication and intensity that like no exaggeration it can tear families apart like i'm surprised okay if we were making bring it on into a mini series that would be one of the like subplots is like torrance's parents just fucking hate each other like mm-hmm. um, spend too much on cheerleading and like, yeah yeah but like what's um what's interesting is that you rarely see in sports movies these and by that I mean boy sports movies um these scenes like this is the impact on the family for a sport and the young athlete is very unlikely to ever become a pro like I've never mm-hmm. seen anything about the parents struggle to afford hockey hockey <laughs> in in the Mighty Ducks movies yeah no and even like going with that the only time you see like the impact on the family is when it's for example a like back or after school special type movie mm-hmm. where it's like oh no jimmy's being discriminated against because he's on the football team and he's black mm-hmm. and like there's that's the only time that there's like family dynamics involved or even like thinking about like remember the titans and like mm-hmm. the family dynamics involved in that or even just the only family dynamics i remember from like these type of like teen movies that had any association with sport was the like no dad i'm giving up your dream and it's Wait, like i do this really well i don't want your life <laughs> <laughs> every time i see paul martyr on a fucking dad's trip i just i don't want your life <laughs> but like that's the thing and like you would get like i'm thinking about like my dearly beloved friday night lights because it was a series they had to delve into the interpersonal of it all but whenever it's a movie they're just like yay sport yay win yay like overcome the obstacle that's the other team like there isn't that look into holy fuck sports are like intense and the idea is that quote-unquote boy sports team sports um contact sports they're seen as worth it like the struggle Mm -hmm. if if we do see any of the family struggle like it's all worth it for this glory whereas cheerleading people tend to associate it as a very vapid sport like Mm -hmm. oh really you're putting all this just into cheerleading um Mm -hmm. which is why i love like the line i am only cheerleading like Mm -hmm. no that's one that has always like I'm like, no, yeah, fuck you. That exactly. That's Mm -hmm. it. Because like, I was the same thing, like growing up, like all of my friends did sports. Like my one friend like played soccer growing up. My brother Mm -hmm. played hockey and then went on to play football. Like we had a huge, like, like everyone in my school did sports Mm -hmm. and they were like, Liz, like, what's your sport? And I'm like, I dance. And they're like, that's not a sport. And it was the constant, like, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Like, and just like, because specifically like, women's sports are considered lesser and like not equal they're not considered equally physical as well Mm -hmm. which is such a wild thing to think about like when you think about like a dance we were just talking about how our bodies are literally permanently altered permanently altered from like what they're supposed to be like because of what we did and also just like you're flinging someone into the air and hoping you catch them Mm -hmm. that's not a physical sport in any way (laughs) Mm-hmm. Like, like sorry and- they're not laying body checks on the fucking cheer mat but like there is still a physicality and intensity that is also like hockey players don't have to smile the whole time like mm-hmm. people don't have to streak up the ice and have like the perfect like smile and also say words while they are doing this physical activity 
Uh, I don't think hockey players are great at saying words when they're not playing hockey. <laughs> they're standing in the locker room just like, uh, and then meanwhile, cheerleaders are I, I like, traffic. I love team. Like they have yeah. to like speak and say words and breathe at the same time. But and, like some of the, the stolen cheers um, are very wordy. Like this is very much Buffy era script oh. writing. <laughs> Josh Whedon just like writing out a rhyme. <laughs> Yeah, um, but I will say there are some um, there are some things that do date this movie, and I'm not even talking about the whoa that didn't age well. Like like I said at the beginning, the liberal use of the R word. Always forget about that because I was gonna be like, I'm Rhodey and I'm a dancer. To-. No, no. Um, <laughs> or like the casual sexual assault committed mm-hmm. by Jan Jan the cheerleading man. Which, first of all, like, I'm, okay, yes, it's wrong, but also, how long is his arm supposed to be? That's what, like, the logistics of it, like, how, how long, and how long are those man's fingers, I've, and, like, what's happening, like, what, I, I need I've more got, details. <laughs> I've got four and a half words for you. Go, go, gadget, essay. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, no, like there are a few things that just scream 2000s here in terms of just how the movie's made. And I will say mm-hmm. Sparky Palastri is such a character that screams 2000. Um, we were obsessed with temperamental choreographer jokes in the early 2000s and late 90s. And because this is when even though gay jokes still existed, um, you had to like if you were if you wanted to still be a smart movie and not crude, like. Mm -hmm. this movie did purport to be a smart movie and it was a smart movie you couldn't just come out and say like they're gay haha like (laughs) you can drop the r word but you can't drop the f slur because that's like push actually this you might have forgotten this movie does have an f slur oh my god maybe we should join the squad oh yeah f slur there it is yeah but it's okay (laughs) because those characters are supposed to be bad and dumb right yeah 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 that the guy who says the f slur he does look really really familiar and i'm sure he's someone but all i can see is he looks like a discount matthew lillard um so that might be it but no like you couldn't just like you needed a vehicle for gay jokes so it's Mm -hmm. not just like a gay joke it's a choreographer joke kind of like how in the 90s I mean, in the 90s, you still very much made transgender jokes. But if you wanted to, like, be an elevated movie, you could be like, no, no, it's a crying game joke. It's mm-hmm. not a transgender joke. It's a crying game joke. Yeah. Um, Boys don't cry, anyone? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Plus, there was also, like, a time, and this was a trope that existed for quite a few years, I think. But you wrote a flamboyantly gay character so that he could be a vehicle for mean humor. Which is funny, because mm-hmm. this is already a pretty mean movie. And in a way that I, I think... I'm, I'm fine with it being a mean movie. But, like, um, I do think it was very, like, hey, we need another joke about how Darcy has a fat ass. Let's get the gay choreographer to do it. Let's have him, let's have him work in a jab about how Missy's uglier than the other girls because she's got brown hair. Like That is, like, such a prominent trope that we really don't see as much because yeah. now anyone can be gay and anyone can be mean. We live in a beautiful society. Also, everyone should be gay and everyone should be mean. Exactly. Um, but... Of course, I can't think of any, like, specific ones. Right now, I just have Glee in my head for some reason. But, mm-hmm. like, that was such a, like, specific trope throughout, mm-hmm. like, the 90s and 2000s that really is one of those ones that, like, like you said, really dates it. Because if you think of anything made now, it's, like, they're all ambiguous and mean. Mm-hmm. But, like, no, this man was gay. We all knew he was gay. He's a gay choreographer and he's mean. Also, yeah. what dates this movie? Someone having a fat ass is a bad thing. <laughs> and Darcy's ass, I'm just like, that is such a mid-ass. 
Like, uh, but I, I will say, as much as, like, Sparky's not a great character, I mean, it's not like his character is, like, a whole, I would say, like, super homophobic. It's just very tired. It's yeah, it's very like, tired. Eh, we get it. Um, but Spirit fingers, I, like, that was a that was a go-to in my school of, like, mm. guys making fun of other guys and doing the spirit fingers. And then you, like, look back on it and you're but like, now, but you're doing it. I what? also, um, I watch a lot of beauty uh, tutorials on TikTok. That's, that's just spirit fingers. It's what they do. They just kind of flutter their spirit fingers under their chins. Yeah. Um, it's like when you point out a jazz square to someone and then you see yeah. jazz squares everywhere. <laughs> um but yeah like what i do think this movie does have good um uh gay representation in terms of leslie i think is a great character who just like this is such a cliche thing to say and i normally hate when people say this but he just happens to be gay Mm -hmm. um and he is kind of the like you can tell he's a character written from when like it's still like you can be out of the closet and when you're a male cheerleader and male dancer, you are often forced out of the closet. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like, I like to say that that's his backstory. That's the backstory I've created for him. <laughs> Big Red um, forced him out of the closet. <laughs> oh, uh, surely. Big Red outs people. Um, <laughs> I was supposed but, to be like an I support her, yeah. but uh, no, I don't support her. I don't know. <laughs> But um, yeah, Big Red absolutely out of this guy, but where he, cause he's like, yeah, I'm controversial. And so he owns that he's gay, mm-hmm. um, but he like the little, the nice little like, hey, I'm Leslie that he has with the mm-hmm. other cheerleader, I think is actually really sweet mm-hmm. because it's like, he is both among his people, but also still an outcast. It's like, mm-hmm. you're an outcast, but you're the least outcast you're going to be here. Yeah. That's what it is like often being, a, even still being a male dancer and being mm-hmm. a male cheerleader. Because like, we have male dancers on our team and we have like some who are gay, some who are not, some who I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that It's their own time. But it's like, for those guys, again, like you are probably still a bit of an outcast here, but this is the least outcast you'll ever be. And you that's know. something that is, I think, important to have, like, that kind of little moment, because mm-hmm. even, like, going back to comparing this to, like, o- outside people looking in at, like, this world and, like, the male woo-ha-ha versus this, everyone assumes that any male person who's involved in an art is gay, mm-hmm. but yet you still have, we live in a homophobic society, so mm-hmm. even if you are a cheerleader and you're a male cheerleader, like, still can't be gay because gay is like "Mm, whatever so Mm -hmm. like it's i think it's so nice to have that character and also like in complete opposition of the other male cheerleader kind of thing because it's almost like they're we have to emphasize that he's straight by making him a fucking sexual predator yeah he's a predator so he's straight as we all know how that works with men so like but it's like the total opposition so that's still like a joke upon itself kind of thing like you have the straight guy and you have the like uh gay guy that's like obviously gay like is like like you said kind of makes that his thing but also mm-hmm. like he gets that extra little depth and then straight dude's just a predator over here <laughs> yeah i i will say they're both very very pretty they, um, god bless yeah but uh secondly so like one of the other things that i find really dates this movie in a hilarious way is like we were obsessed with bad audition scenes okay and it- <laughs> when did this movie come out because like 2000 okay yeah. so like just a little bit before American Idol and our obsession yeah. with those edition scenes. Which, and we talked about this back in the very early days of Peak Show, how, like, eventually America did get overseeing Hopeless Auditioners because, like, with American Idol, with So You Think You Can Dance, like, they ended up cutting down those mm-hmm. because we realized we were much more interested in seeing talent. But it's like, this movie is otherwise very grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. And then we just have to detour for 10 minutes for an audition scene. First of all, there is no such thing in the world as solo cheerleading auditions. 
there is yeah like Like, what are you supposed to do like (laughs) you really you let your your school let you book this gym for this long do you know how (laughs) fucking like limited gym spaces at a high Mm -hmm. school (laughs) yeah uh but then like also we have to like apparently no one realizes what it's actually for except for whitney's little sister jamie who I love. Um, and somehow at a San Diego school, you have no one besides Missy who can do any basic yeah. tumbling. You, like, you know, if you're if you're going to say recruit outside the gymnast and cheerleader pool, you know who you look at? Martial artists. Mm-hmm. Trained martial artists are actually usually really good and easy to teach tumbling and acrobatics too. Mm-hmm. So no, there you go. Yeah, people just showed up to auditions for no and reason. A woman it, who is stripping when it's like, that is a minor. That, yeah, that's that is a, a high school student. <laughs> coach car step away from the underage girls oh god but yeah so a nice thing about this movie is that the men even uh i'll say mr cliff which who names their kid cliff what is he a fucking sports bar (laughs) is he like deeply californian i have to say yes what i know about that land (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah like even cliff is like quite plastic um we and because we're so used to plastic women mm-hmm. in sports movies at varsity blues <laughs> i don't want your life is the absolute grossest example of this um you know and i will say like friday night lights because it is a tv show mm-hmm. it does have a lot more runway to mm-hmm. dive into everyone but in the movies it's oh. like we've only got 90 minutes the girls are here to be pretty yeah and they're here to be one mm-hmm. um and like is there a reverse Bechdel test? Is this a thing? It, I'd say we'll call it the roadie test, but we'll call it the dunce test. Um, but I'm 90% sure if such a thing exists, this movie doesn't pass it. No, absolutely. I don't... Maybe there is, because everyone got really obsessed with the Bechdel test, but like... I actually hate the Bechdel test. Oh, I hate the Bechdel... Yeah. I don't hate the Bechdel test. I hate what people did to the Bechdel yeah. test. Yes. Um, that is a conversation for another pod. Um, I also... I just prefer, like, the sexy lamp test. Because <laughs> sometimes... Here's the thing. Sometimes I want to be a sexy lamp. So, like, <laughs> let women have the autonomy to be a sexy lamp. Um, no, they're so dumb and even like there's a sexual predator but like he's pretty and like Mm -hmm. they're just there they're not influencing the plot in any way and like you could literally just like take an abercrombie model and put him in this place and nothing would change that's the reverse bechdel test can you take an abercrombie model and put Mm -hmm. him in no acting experience and it's fine it's good it's totally okay wait if if the enhanced bechdel test for women is replace it with the sexy lamp (laughs) i say um I don't know. Replace uh, replace Jesse Bradford with a sexy rocking horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's perfect. <laughs> so in terms, Torrance of- having this beautiful conversation, and it's just this horse, just like <laughs> pushing her on a swing. He'd be great at that. Uh, but in terms of other non done stars, because we will get to uh, to Kiki. Um, Gabrielle Union, she came up in our 10 Things I Hate About You episode because, like, she had two movies in a row of playing, like, the bitchy best friend roles. Mm-hmm. And while it is obviously insane that she is almost 30 in this movie, um, first of all, she still looks quite young. Mm-hmm. Um, like, she definitely doesn't look, like, 17 or 18, but, like, she is still fucking radiant. As a white person, am I allowed to say black don't crack? I, because I don't truly, know, but, like, I mean, I feel like She it's don't fact. crack. <laughs> she looks, she's 50, and she looks incredible and she's of of course she's gotten work done but i would say 
probably not as much work as the average celebrity because she still very much looks like herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she looks incredible. She's so pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, there's also something where like, although I, I've, I don't know if this has been discussed at length. I am always somewhat uncomfortable with the way like, uh, I feel like casting directors are very comfortable casting um, black actors as older than they are. And mm-hmm. I do wonder if that feeds into at all our subconscious bias of like referring to like, you know, uh boys like Trayvon Martin as a man mm-hmm. always and stuff so yeah. like that I wonder if there's like some maybe like better writing than I could come up with on the unfortunate implications of that I'm sure there is mm-hmm. actually but there's also something that like with Isis being played by a more mature performer that I like because Isis is a character who has more power oh talk about things that didn't age well naming a character Isis <laughs> every time um, I see like that screenshot I go around Twitter I'm like oh yeah Isis <laughs> Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine's obviously been in the news today um, because R.I.P. Andre Brower but it always makes me think of that scene when Jake's in prison and he's like and I'm just really excited to join what is your gang again? ISIS (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like I want ISIS to seem like a veteran of this scene and ISIS has agency Mm -hmm. which is something that Gabrielle Union didn't get in 10 things and she's all that Mm -hmm. um that said, like they, we know from the trailer that there were there were kind of more extended subplots with the Clovers and Isis had a boyfriend and stuff. Has anyone ever been able to actually find those scenes? I've never been able to find them. I feel like they've like just fully been wiped from. They're not on the, the DVD, internet. like, and there are other deleted scenes on the DVDs. Um, but yeah, we we don't get to see Isis show any vulnerability, and I'm kind of like torn between would that be better or worse because like I have wondered mm-hmm. is Isis too much of a strong black woman stereotype? Um, I do think that it helps that you have a few scenes in which she and Torrance establish like, hey, I'm mm-hmm. just being strong for my squad, and you know that. So I think you know to an extent that mm-hmm. that strength is er, is not a front, but it's a necessity mm-hmm. that Isis probably is a vulnerable person. So maybe it's like maybe having her show vulnerability would be a little bit too, like, spelling it out for us. Yeah. I was going to say, I think if we're going back to, like, if this was a miniseries, mm-hmm. we'd have an episode that's, like, Isis, like, focused, and it would, like, show her, like, vulnerability within her mm-hmm. own life and then how she, like, kind of puts it on for the cheer squad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having her have that, it is that, like, strong Black woman caricature, or car- caricature but mm-hmm. also it's shorthand for the movie because it's Mm. trying like the movie's trying to tell you as quickly as possible like they're coming from like a like lower economic background they're at a like quote-unquote tougher school which all of this is like "Mm." but like (laughs) it's it's the movie's shorthand to be like torrent's privileged the clovers not go like (laughs) they they were bandanas wow Um, bandanas aren't allowed on my dress code (laughs) Yeah, like, because even though, like, the the movie is very much about Torrance, Mm -hmm. and yet it manages to not make Isis into a plot device. Mm -hmm. She is her own person. She refuses, like, she literally refuses to let Mm -hmm. uh, Torrance make her into her plot device. And so I think it's good where, because it's, like, it's still very much about Torrance. But first of all, Isis is starring in her own movie. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I like is, like, there is another movie there, Mm -hmm. and it's this from Isis's perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And Isis was never, (laughs) Isis was never made the villain. Um, (laughs) Like, (laughs) I just want that as, like, my little screen, like, little cut. Everyone cut that out and post that everywhere. That's how you can Uh, disparage my name online. Um, But she was never made, like, the villain. Like, it's not like she's the mean 
black girl kind of mm. thing, which you'd see a lot in these kind of movies. And then yep. you'd eventually find out, oh my God, she is vulnerable and she just puts this on. But like, mm. it's sure they're competitive. And that's the benefit of a sports movie. You don't have to necessarily mm. have an, well, like the definition of antagonist, like whatever, but you don't need to have like that, that villainous antagonist. Mm. You just like, these are the competitors. And then because you get that kind of like switch halfway through of like, are we the baddies? Mm-hmm. It helps as well because it's never ISIS being portrayed negatively. And and when she does show like toughness, because I'm not gonna lie, when I was 11, I was like, why is she so mean? Um, but like, you even see the movie like not justify ISIS's toughness, but like the movie starts to say ISIS's toughness is good. Mm-hmm. And because it's about Torrance growing up and learning to be tougher herself. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, when they say at the competition, like, we just understand each other. Mm-hmm. Like, that's her saying, no, she's actually correct to be this way. Yeah. Um, but also, in yesterday's episode, I defended the movie Sugar and Spice, and I might have to recant on that. Because um, in reading the oral history of Bring It On, um, Gabrielle, Un- there were actually a lot of crossovers with the casting of this and Sugar and Spice. Um, and Gabrielle Union said she wanted to read for Sugar and Spice. Um, but then apparently the movie, quote unquote, didn't want to go black for any of its characters. And, um, like, no, I can see the argument that because Sugar and Spice is about cheerleaders robbing a bank with guns, that maybe they didn't want, maybe it's, maybe it's fine that we didn't have black girls shooting up a bank. Probably. But Gabrielle Union has said, like, she was... She was personally unimpressed by that, mm-hmm. which and and also just Hindsight. to have an actress of the caliber of Gal- uh, Gabrielle Union reading for your movie, and like yeah, no. but we'd rather go with Mina Savari. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm dissing Mina Savari. I think Mina Savari was great, um, but the fact that I said was says it all. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think like the best thing about this movie is that like the the script was originally just a cheerleading script and mm-hmm. they really let Gabrielle Union shape her character like she said she found the character of Isis to be obnoxious she found her to be like a black exploitation stereotype and she said she wasn't going to do that with Isis and like the movie is so much better because they mm-hmm. listen to her they listen to her guidance yeah. and it's like that makes the movie and that almost like that is Isis to mm-hmm. me I, I think if if this movie was made with anyone but Gabrielle Union because of what she's talked about putting into the movie, like like you just said, mm. and what she brings as an actress to this movie, I don't think it would be as good of a movie. Like, mm. I don't think it would stand up the same way. Like, our girl, Kiki, would still kill it. But mm. if she doesn't have, like, if you have Kirsten Dunst acting against a, like, cardboard cutout, like, it'll still be good. But is it that good? Like, because you have, like, the two best actresses, actors, actor mm. people, like everyone in this movie going against each other in like or like they're the they're the two that are like acting against each other kind of thing. It makes it that much better of a movie and rises it raises it above other teen movies at the time that maybe like are fun and silly but don't have that like kind of pedigree to them. Mm-hmm. Uh and like Kirsten does has far more scenes with Eliza Dushku, mm-hmm. uh, who no no offense to her at all, she was definitely a big part of my bisexual awakening <laughs> as a, as a child. But I would say that the dynamic between Kirsten Dunst and Gabrielle Union is much more memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, a more it, it's interesting almost... relationship because you do have those kind of complex mm-hmm. layers of like 
privilege and how two people can come to understand each other that are coming from different places and like all of these things that play into all the different movies that we've talked about, but play yeah. into it much more naturally because of the caliber of actresses that are going against each other here. Yeah. I also think like I do, I will say I love the Missy uh, Torrance friendship mm -hmm. because I I remember even as a kid thinking it was going to go in a different direction. I thought the movie was going to be more about Missy needing to fit in mm -hmm. and learning to discover her girly side. And like, really, she embraces cheerleading mm -hmm. pretty quickly. And it's more like, yes, she's a little bit more of a smart ass than everyone else. But it really is just about like, hey, Torrance finally has like a friend that mm -hmm. she can really be real with. And that's nice. And it's nice you know? that they didn't make it like, Ooh, she's like doesn't want to be here. She's edgy. She's different. If it was two thousand, what the fuck was going on with her hair? Oh, bad things. <laughs> bad things. Like gel dreads. Ugh. Like ugh. Ugh. there's so much product in there. Yeah, but like if they had had her like stick to that thread again, I don't think it'd be as good of a movie because then mm -hmm. you have like the main character's best friend continually putting down this main sport and passion of the movie and so yeah. it's not that like annoying irony that you get in a mm. lot of movies now that are like oh we know that we're above this like yeah everyone cares about the cheer and the competition and like everyone like like um everyone like signs up for it. everyone is like buckled in and if you didn't have that kind of like um like earnestness almost mm it would be like the move, like I just said, the movies that you get now, they're like winking at the audience and being like, we know you think you're above this, but let's just play along with the little cheerleaders. Yeah. Uh, like Missy, um, Missy, once, um, once Torrance tells her, we are cheerleaders too, we just don't do vault or beam, like mm -hmm. vault, vault or beam, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Beam was my best thing. I don't know why. <laughs> I used to be really good at beam. Um, that's, and that's cool. Like, <laughs> Is it? Because, yes. Liz, do you know how I broke my arm <laughs> when As I was 19? who watches the Olympics every four years and goes, wow, that's so cool. You're so cool. <laughs> I, I fell off a balance beam and I broke my arm and broke uh, my radial, which is Ooh. like my cheekbone, because I hit the beam on the <sighs> way down. Here's the two most embarrassing things. Number one, it was a mid-beam. Oh. It was a mid-beam. It was only like three, four feet off the ground. Um, number two was, um, I was just doing a seesaw. I was just like doing a little like jump in place. I wasn't doing like, I, cause the coolest thing I've ever learned to do is I've learned to do a back handspring on a beam, um, which is really hard. Back handsprings are not hard, but back handsprings on a beam are because you have to open through the chest, but then you have to have your hands together. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really difficult. Um, but yeah, this was me doing the most simple thing. I was just doing a little step up. Bonk. Again, right before my head. As someone graduation. who's never stepped on a beam, um, yeah. as someone who, as I was telling you off mic, always had a fear as a child of breaking their neck doing some type of cartwheel back handspring, handspring anything, uh, mm -hmm. I think you're cool and uh, <laughs> it's okay that you broke your arm and your radius face. Uh, <laughs> my <broke>. face. <laughs> Have you ever seen um, Fired Up? Speaking of cheerleader movies. Actually, no. No, I have oh not God, seen that one. Oh my God, Brie. No. Can I give you homework? <laughs> yes. Okay. Fired Up, it's like satirical cheerleader movie, but it's actually still good. Um, it's two guys that play football who have mm -hmm. slept with all the girls in their school, so they're going to go to cheer camp. 
Um, and oh my god, who he passed away recently? I'm pretty sure he was also in Pitch Perfect. Uh, one of the judges in Pitch Perfect. I'm just like shooting things at you right now. Perfect. But he, oh my god. Um, I I hate to say this. Um, I was too busy having a lot of sex when Pitch Perfect came out. Yeah, no, I was in like my first year of university, and we all thought it was the funniest thing we'd ever seen in our entire lives because. Fat Amy. Um, but uh, just to uh, wrap up my Fired Up tangent, Fired Up is one of my favorite movies ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very funny. But there's this bit where there's this band cheer move. And um, so one of the teams is practicing and tries to do it and they drop the girl. And mm-hmm. I have to figure out who this person is because once you know, you'll die. Um, he runs over and he's like, look what you did. You broke her face almost in half. Where are we going to get one of those this late in the day? And... <laughs> It kills me every time and anyone, anytime someone says that they like broke their face, um, that's what I think of. Okay, this person isn't dead. I am so sorry, John Michael Higgins. Um, John Michael Higgins, why do I know that name? He Fuck, was in uh, Pitch Perfect, Best in Show, Bad Teacher. Um, he's in Bob's oh, you, Burgers as a voice. You know who he is? That's Wayne Jarvis. From Arrested Development. Yes. He's serious. Yes. But yeah, he's like the main um, like coach kind of thing and then he can truly do it all he's amazing i think you would really like this movie okay so this is my homework and to all the listeners watch fired up it's so good it does make me think to bring it back to bring it on at that one like you like no one even saw you fall and she's just covered in blood (laughs) that's kind of what it was like except that i ruptured um a a blood vessel Mm. in my eye when it happened Mm. which yeah um it's still to this day like I don't smile quite right because this like I can't smile as big on this side as I used to because I get a little ache in it um yeah like it didn't really show that much I graduated two days later I graduated from high school Mm. and I just like wore a lot of makeup and stuff and it was fine (laughs) but like I turned to the side a lot because I was like hella sloppy and droopy like gymnastics that is to say and like it's really funny because I feel like the easiest way to prove that cheer and gymnastics and stuff is a sport is like look how injured I got look how ruined my fucking life was I mean that was my like claim to fame all the time Mm -hmm. of just being like do you know how fucking sore I am from dance right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I, like, if I'd been thinking, I would have been like, do you know how fucking bad my eating disorder is? Um, <laughs> you know what? Actually, I am shocked that aside from a few, like, Darcy, your ass is too big there's comments. There's not a lot. There's not, there's not eating disorder jokes no. in this movie. And I'm shocked about that. Because if there's anything of the time, it was eating disorders. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. And especially combined with cheerleaders and, mm-hmm. like, teenage girls. It's, it's truly, like, the fact there aren't, you're like, were they cut <laughs> like were they did they need to good. save time like good. yes i'm i'm thankful for that but like yeah okay. um okay so let's tell me about this connection to romeo and juliet <laughs> okay more, okay fave movies. <laughs> so i was gonna be like this is in no way related but i am committed to the bit and my ability to web weave so here i am and i was watching the last time i watched romeo and juliet um the baz Luhrmann, uh version of course um, I was sitting there and I went, oh my God, that's Jesse Bradford, <laughs> which is also a joke and fired up because they watched Bring It On at the cheer camp. Um, okay. And I was like, wait, this boy was everywhere in the like 90s, early 2000s. And so- Is he still there? Did they leave him there? <laughs> yes. I'm so sorry to tell everyone. Yeah. We left him. He had to go back to his home <laughs> decade. Um, but like, 
and it show it kind of shows and made me like start thinking about all of these actors and actresses that you would see like Gabrielle Union who is considered like such a good actress and was in so many kind of like teen movies and how they're kind of all over this genre that was being put out at the time and kind of like how we touched on these movies aren't necessarily made anymore so you yeah. don't have that kind of like kiddie pool for all of these actors to kind of get started in and get a few roles under their belt or like kind of be able to keep making money while they're trying mm -hmm. to get their big roles kind of thing and like it's something that I think a lot about in terms of like where we are right now with like Hollywood and streamers and everything like that because like even like the dunst of it all like yes she got her like start in interview with the vampire which is like prestige but she was able to like continue having options after that because there were these team movies there were these other options you didn't just have to like hope for the best kind of thing yep. um, it was an absolute like golden age for launching young talents mm -hmm. and now like the way young talent like sustains itself between movies is like tiktok i yeah. guess um like i i don't know if i've ever mentioned this on the air but i have a really cool connection to devin dakota who plays annika in scream six mm. um so she grew up dancing mm -hmm. at lisa nave's dance company where i teach um she is like she's our pride and joy i mean we have a lot of students who a, a lot of alumni who have gone on to do great things but like mm -hmm. she, this girl is in in movies and shit but you know what she did after she wrapped filming on scream 2 or Scream 2, Scream 6, she went right back to working as a nanny mm -hmm. in Ontario. Like, yeah. that's, that's the thing. Like, there's, I mean, the close, and if you're doing teen content, it's more like tween content, yeah. like highly sanitized, like mm -hmm. you're on like the fucking next step and shit like that, mm -hmm. um, which every dancer is on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like there's, now I, I think I just figured out where Jesse Bradford is. You know how he was in the movie Clock Stoppers? Mm. I think he might have accidentally gotten stuck there. Oh, there was a clock stopping incident. Oh, um, I miss you. Bring him back. Now, I will say I recently rewatched Swim Fan because I was <laughs> fucking bored and I was like, you know what? I could be border. Um, I'm 90% sure that if you want to kill me, get me in a pool and put that movie on and I will fall asleep and die like a fucking sim. <laughs> Just fall asleep in the pool. Um... But yeah, like, because I even was thinking about it in terms of, like, Jacob Elordi is now, like, prestige darling, because he did, like, Sofia Coppola, and he just did that Saltburn movie, which I'm so excited to come to streaming. I can't wait to see what that's all about. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, he got a lot of, like, flack because he was like, the Kissing Booth movie sucked. Like, I didn't like them. And they mm -hmm. were like, how dare you besmirch the teenage girls? And it's like, Kissing Booth isn't good. It's not a good, not. like, it's bad. It is bad media. It's not good. But, like, there aren't these good teen movies that are, like, meaty and have actual, like, any substance to them. But no. what are what are they supposed to do otherwise? Or Sydney Sweeney even talking about, like, yeah, I can, like, barely afford my mortgage because there's no <laughs> residuals from Euphoria. And that's why I just got to keep signing on to movies. And, mm -hmm. like... It's this ecosystem that used to exist for actors. And like, I mean, like even Zac Efron, who's getting enormous praise for like the Iron Claw, the wrestling movie, which is coming out. He got started in High School Musical. Like mm -hmm. there used to be this kiddie pool that like actors could go in and like figure out how to swim and like get that kind of like, like that, um, like 
little cushion of money sort of thing mm-hmm. so that then they can go and pursue other things and not have to do whatever is thrown in front of them but that doesn't exist anymore so you either mm. get stuck doing like the netflix series forever or you're like yeah when i stopped working on that indie like a24 film i had to go wait tables <laughs> yeah i mean and it's that's the one thing about recording all these podcasts ahead of time and i still have one more and it's gonna fucking kill me and i have to edit them all um but i'm gonna do it uh, somehow i believe in me too weirdly and i'm not used to believing in me um but um it's like we talked about i think it was in the spider-man one how like that was pretty much and so spider-man was really just the the coming years after this mm-hmm. it wasn't too far after bringing on that that was when kirsten Dunst started to get picky with Woo-hoo! her work because she could yeah um that and she really hasn't done another blockbuster since no uh since the spider-man movies uh it's not to say she's been totally indie or whatever but mm-hmm. she, and she's just living this wonderful low-key life married to and, jesse plemons living uh, the dream like, speaking of friday night lights I have said this so many times on this very podcast. I think Jesse Plemons is so much more interesting as a fat actor. He's so interesting. He doesn't just look like a poor man's Matt Damon Mm -hmm. when he, as as a chubbier guy. Like his facial features go from like cute and all American to really unsettling. He's interesting looking, which we also don't have in Hollywood anymore because everyone has veneers. Yeah. Sorry, that well, was the Kirsten most recent Dunst discussion is... on Twitter um, was yeah. the concern about everyone's veneers. <laughs> Even Kirsten Dunst is so cute and so beautiful and so ethereal. And yet I find people don't look like her anymore. No. And it's weird because I never want to be like, people don't look like this blue, blue-eyed, blue yeah. blonde-haired white girl anymore. Like, I don't want to Bring back Kirsten Dunst's. <laughs> I saw a thing on TikTok the other day. And I think Kirsten Dunst was one of the people they listed. But it was like, because everyone's always like fucking overlining their lips now and like getting <laughs> lip fillers. And it's like, we need to, you know, thin lips are beautiful too. And I'm like, you know, you can say people should stop overlining their lips without getting all crazy about thin lips. Because first of all, you just sound weird. <laughs> yeah. It's- Secondly, none of these people actually have thin lips. No. And third, every person you listed is white. Mm-hmm. Every person with your beautiful thin lips is white. Interesting. Interesting. What are we doing here? No, but her and Jesse Plemons are very like interesting looking people and I don't mean that in like a Steve Buscemi like interesting way kind of thing but Mm -hmm. like they're and that's almost something that gives them their like actor like je ne sais quoi she looks like a painting that's what I find her face looks like a painting that's why we we would we would think the Mona Lisa was fucking mid yeah That's why she can do, like, a Sofia Coppola, like, Marie Antoinette, like, avant-garde moment. And you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That works. And Mm -hmm. she can also be the love interest in Spider-Man. And you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That works. Mm -hmm. So can we acknowledge that she had only just turned 17? What the fuck? (laughs) The the child labor laws, I have to question. Because also, she, like, I have joked so many times this week about, like, was she just running from set to set, like, on a little, like, little Healy shoes? Little scooter, just like, wee! <laughs> because she was doing so many fucking movies during this time. Go and, work. And doing school. Like, she was like, oh, yeah, I was doing school during this. And, and you were learning to become a cheerleader. Yeah. You were learning tumbling. That's the thing. Like, you you, you fully learned a cheer routine. You did all of your classes, and you were also an actress. What? Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Yeah. But, like, this era of Dunst, like, bring it on to Spider-Man 2 was, I would say, like, the first peak for her and the first, like, and I would say in every sense, coming back to the original show, a bit of a peak for her, which is not to say that she hasn't had higher quality since then, but, like, this was the last era in which I would say, like, she was a huge box office draw. Mm -hmm. I would not classify her as a box office draw now, even though she's doing the best work she's ever done. She was amazing in The Power of the Dog. Mm -hmm. Um, But as her bring it on, bring it on itself... I want to say it's her last teen movie. It is not because a uh, previous episode, Get Over It, was her last teen movie, but no one saw that movie. <laughs> I think it's safe to say Bring It On is her last big teen movie, um, which might be fine because within the next couple of years, um, we'd see a decline in the quality of teen movies. Like, I I actually mean this when I say it. I blame 9-11. No, it's 9-11's fault because we all yep. had to like go sign up for war. We couldn't be teenagers anymore. Yeah. We discussed this um, in the Miracle episode as well. Yes. Um, but, like, aside from, like, the few exceptions, like, Mean Girls, like, Easy A or Superbad, which was distinctly more cynical and appealed to boys, like, teen movies died after this. And I think it's awesome. I mean, it's it's not awesome the teen movies died. Uh, because, like you said, I that, think it's that, sick. <laughs> the, run, the runway for, for teens to build their portfolios really, really fucking died, as you said. But, like, Kirsten Dunst was able to pivot out mm-hmm. of that so easily. Like I, I, this whole week has been about proving that she has the best transition ever from child star to teen star mm-hmm. to adult star. Adult star sounds weird. It does, um, but yes, that's fine. We know what you mean. What, I, what I'm getting at though is that Dunst represented a dying era of the teen movie, and she had the quality of being fresh faced and youthful and very, very pretty. But she was also bitingly funny and clever, and like things that you might not expect a pretty bright eyed blonde hair to like to do. Mm-hmm. And that's. What I love about the teen movies of this era, because the best ones are all that clever. That's why Mean Girls is the one we constantly bring up. That's the Mm -hmm. reason, like, Bring It On is one that stands the test of time. It's when Mm -hmm. there's actual, like, we keep coming back to it, but it's the idea that there's actual substance to it. Like, there's jokes that are actually funny and not just, Mm -hmm. like, I'm a teenager and I think that's really funny. And, like actual plot and actual actors on set and like it's these are characters who have their own inner worlds yeah you know Mm -hmm. um which i think is very smart um and like it's i don't think bring it on is alone in the sense that like 10 things Mm -hmm. um clueless is older than this but clueless um you know the, the ones that are done well i think really deserve to get their flowers and i'm glad that there are a lot of i mean like this ends at prom is a great teen movie retrospective podcast that gives like gives a lot of credit to these movies. Now in our small soldiers episode, we were talking about how Dunst is so cute that she can literally get away with the main character of that movie telling her, you know, you're not like other girls, (laughs) but I will say, I like that in this movie clip doesn't win over Torrance by telling her she's not like other girls. And she is very much like other girls Mm -hmm. in this movie. Um, you know, and it's not about him winning her over by telling her that like, she's better than this vapid world of cheerleading. She's not like secretly into his rock music or anything. She's not secretly deeper than everyone else. Yeah. She is really dedicated to her sport and that is never challenged. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Yeah. No, that's, and that's such an important, not to be like, it's such an important message, but it's such an important message for like teen girls to be getting because there was so much media that was like, you have to be secretly deep and you have to actually like the shitty rock music that that Mm -hmm. teen boy makes. And you actually have to like not care about girly things because that's cringe, but also you have to pretend to like girly things because otherwise we will ostracize you and make Mm -hmm. you wish you were dead. But like you have this, that's just like, 
I love being a cheerleader. I am a cheerleader. And it's like, fuck yeah, you're a cheerleader. Like, it's, it's so important to have that, like, not basic bitch representation, but like basic bitch representation of like, absolutely, I can like what I like and that doesn't make me any less. Yeah. Because I think that's something that is not told to teenage girls in any way and is not i mean that's the reason that everyone clings to like reclaiming our like sleepover movies like maybe they're not actually good but we want like or even just like reclaiming like sofia coppola movies to bring it back to like the dunst of it all and being Mm -hmm. like no this thing that i care about like as a girl is important and like digging your claws into it kind of thing and like it's it's so important to get this message like from this movie because where else were you getting it? That's also why I find like Torrance and Isis represent di- very different kinds of strength mm-hmm. in this movie. Like Isis is tough strength, but I feel like Torrance is strength that like it's resolve and mm-hmm. it grows through, you know, the difficulty of what has been an admittedly very charmed life mm-hmm. up until that point. Um, what? So I also want to talk about who else was offered this role because I think she came up, uh, I guess in yesterday's episode, Marley Shelton. Um, Cause Dunst kept passing on the role of Torrance, which I think is funny um, because I would say that this is one of her most iconic roles. Um, Marley Shelton, who would go on to and said, choose sugar and spice. And I'm going to say like, very different movie if you get Marley Shelton. And I like Marley Shelton. Her quality versus Dunst is why she works so well in Sugar and Spice. Like, that's... um, And I would say her character in Sugar and Spice is very similar to her character in the Scream movies, speaking of the Scream movies, um, which is, like, Pollyanna, whose worldview is turned upside down. Mm-hmm. And, like, Torrance... Torrance has that to a lesser... To a more realistic degree, I would say. Um, she starts... She already starts out a little less wide-eyed. Like, yes, the events of the movie make Torrance grow up, and you get a sense that she hasn't lived as much of a life as someone like the Clovers or even Missy. Mm -hmm. Um, But you do get the sense that because she's been a competitive athlete her whole life that she is a little tough. Um, Marley Shelton doesn't have any toughness to her. She is better suited to play the kind of cheerleader like in Sugar and Spice, which, like, no offense to the Midwest, but, like... (laughs) the 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 squad the midwest squad whose squad doesn't actually do cheerleading competitions we're still just the cheerleading squad that is to cheer on the football team Mm -hmm. um like dunst always brings this quality to her characters of toughness um you know we talked about it in small soldiers the almost a good movie uh we talked about this certainly in how she makes mary jane watson a more interesting character than Mm -hmm. she is in the comic books Mm -hmm. um and i cannot wait to talk tomorrow about uh about her in eternal sunshine which is a whole fucking whopper (laughs) that she's like it's gonna be weird talking about one in which she's not the main character but she is also one of the most tragic parts of that movie Mm -hmm. especially when you know about the plot that they cut from that movie um about like so you know how she's in love with Merzriak mm-hmm. and like that she so they a deleted scene reveals that she also aborted his his baby oh yeah. wow <laughs> you want to get you want to get Brie to cry oh. tell her about all the alternate endings to that movie that's a movie <laughs> that my philosophy teacher in high school uh had us watch um mm-hmm. and really fucked us all <laughs> um <laughs> that's a movie that i once watched with a guy who i was dating and he said you know if we ever broke up if that were available to me i would definitely erase you you're the type of person that someone would want to erase and i'm like oh oh well i'm gonna spend uh let's see okay right now i'm gonna spend the next 14 years of my life thinking about that 
Jesus Christ. Why do men speak? Why do they say things out loud with their mouths? They should all be like this movie where they're just Ken dolls. <laughs> God. Uh, you know, that that guy, uh, if, if uh, he does know what a podcast is. Bitch. So, um, I, I will just say, um, you suck very much. Bitch. Just in case you're listening. Bitch. bitch. <laughs> But admittedly, I miss your Nona's cooking, Yay. and if we hadn't broke up, I probably would still be eating meat, because I loved your Nona. Yeah, um, so, Liz, it's time for a Holodance lightning round. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. Why has it become lazy? Oh, wait. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah. I haven't done that sound in a no. while. I know. I'm, I'm less myself. <laughs> um, so, I want to put, put, put the screws to you, Liz. Which team do you think actually had the better Nationals routine? Honestly, I I like the Clovers. <laughs> I'm like Maybe because I'm like sympathetic to them and I'm like, yeah. yeah, they deserve to win. But then when they win, I'm like, yeah, they fucking deserve to win. Yeah. I think, go ahead. You can say your answer. <laughs> this is supposed to be lightning. I, the one thing I will say is I do think that the, um, the Tauros had better formations. Mm. Um, more interesting formations where I think like because you see them actually use all the different dance styles in mm. the routine I actually think that works against them because I don't think it was as thematically cohesive so I yeah. agree with the Clovers with the caveat that I actually think the Clovers first routine that they did at like the state level was almost stronger I like maybe. that one better yeah. I wish was that was the closer cool. like yes I, I think maybe that's something they might like switch if they were to rethink this all kind of thing but like I've always liked that one better <laughs> Mm-hmm. All right, so who's a cheerleader on either squad that you would have liked to see given more screen time? I mean, we talked about him a little bit, but our, our little gay friend. I just Leslie. Leslie. Sexy Leslie. Yeah. His name is Leslie. I hate the 2000s. But Leslie, I want to know what's up. I want to know what's happening. Give me like a He's... little Leslie cam, like outside of practice. What's going on? Can we say the three most iconic Leslies? Leslie from Bring It On. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nielsen. Yeah, absolutely. Nielsen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say him as well as I really like the little like kind of rookie Casey and I would have mm. loved to just have a, f- a little more about her and like being a rookie on the squad. But then again, I also was like looking back, I was like, oh, Darcy could get it. Yeah. But I don't know if she's actually that interesting of a character. Is, um, do people need to be interesting to get no. it? <laughs> uh, so <laughs> case in point, <laughs> William Nylander. Oh, beautiful. Actually, no, he boy. is extremely, he is extremely interesting. He's fascinating, um, but like fascinating in the sense that I want to put him like in a jar with like leaves and yeah. just see what happens, you know? <laughs> he's a caterpillar. Yeah. Like I want to, I just like, yeah. he's that kind of interesting. I want no, to you know what? Him. I hate to say this, can get it not interesting. John Tavares. Yeah. That's I a, love him. You know how I feel I, about I him. I do. I'm very, yes. very familiar with how you feel. Oh, yes. No, he's not interesting. No not offense to John, but he's not. Except for loving the dark, but that's... Um, yeah. So we all know that by now that Isis had her own kind of subplot deleted from the movie. If you wanted to make room for it, what, would, what might you have cut from Bring It On? All the ex-boyfriend stuff. I understand yeah. that it's, like, part of it because that's part of Torrance, like, finding her strength and, like, everything mm. like that and coming into her own and, like, letting go of loose ends and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find it so, like, uh, like, it's such a, like, teen movie thing kind of thing. Like, I wish it that is. they had just, like, split up and she was, like, sad about it and then dealt with everything and found Cliff and, like, everything like that. The yeah. kind of, like, 
dragging him along throughout the movie i'm like no boo boo yeah it kind of would have been cool for her to be like i don't have time for a boyfriend because i'm too into cheerleading Mm -hmm. and that's almost like that that i think is the more stereotypical thing of that era Mm -hmm. um it's funny your answer is so good that i almost wish i could take your answer (laughs) but i will say that i still think you you can do without spiky palastri i mean yeah you do need the plot of like someone's been peddling uh routine and like I, i think I think you need that in mm-hmm. order to have them be embarrassed at states. But I just think, like, just bring a choreographer in and it doesn't have to be a whole thing. We don't need a yeah. montage of Sparky being wacky. Exactly. Like, yeah. it could have been, like, a quick five, but they drag it out so much because they're like, get it? <laughs> so, if you couldn't get Missy in, who are you taking from those auditions? I'm taking that beatboxing dude with the glasses. <laughs> I find him funky. I love him. <laughs> I really love him. We were obsessed with beatboxing in the 90s, too. We, Um, like, what? We were obsessed. (laughs) um, I do think the ballet dancer, his quads, um, the guy would be able to lift. But it's obvious, like, why are we even bringing in men for auditions if we lost a flyer? Um, Yeah. Are we going to fly him? Really? Are we? So I will say we have to go with Whitney's little sister, Jamie. Um, that said, just because you can do a back walkover doesn't mean you can do a back handspring, girl. Um, yeah. Get her ass. So, what is the better song, U-G-L-Y or Mickey? Okay, this is absolutely because of when I grew up, but U-G-L-Y. Oh, I can't stand that song. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand it. Because, okay, look, Liz, I grew up very ugly, and I had that shout <laughs> oh, at me a lot. Oh, I'm sorry. Liz, you you don't understand because you have good hair. I had a <laughs> mushroom cut until the fourth oh, grade. No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really it's really glad that it, I'm really glad that I was not raised in the era of like a lot of digital cameras because there's not a lot of evidence of how awful I used to look. Yeah, there was like one really bad haircut I got one year, and I oh. told my mom to rip up all the pictures that she took. <laughs> So yeah, I love Mickey, but also I I don't like that we had to do the Bewitched version. I love the Tony Basil version. Tony the Basil Tony, is a fucking icon. Tony Basil version is the only version, yeah. in my opinion. And like, I mean, I'm sure we've probably talked about Tony Basil on this show before because she in like she was a hip hop dance revolutionary mm-hmm. and also kind of bringing it back to this movie. She really believed in giving credit to the black artists that influenced her. Um, people like Boogaloo Sam, like she's always said, like he is the one. Like I did not invent lock. Boogaloo Sam invented locking. I just <laughs> made, brought it to white people, basically. Yeah. Um, what is the most iconic look from this movie? Oh, like it's an unfortunate iconic look, but the like gel dreads. <laughs> like it's so, so unfortunate. Bad. Basically, yeah. everything Missy wears is yes. like again unfortunately iconic, and uh-huh. like the sharpie tattoo and i'm like oh girl but i thought she was so cool i was yes. like wow she's so edgy and i'm so gay <laughs> i will say this is a great era for spaghetti strap camisole tops <gasps> and so like anytime torrance is in pajamas or yes. in, like her little like little floral can't like i can't imagine i i just actually recently because uh, i i shop at walmart now that's my life um and i'm very happy for me Mm-hmm. I live in a fucking small town. I, I love Walmart. Walmart, Walmart yeah. defense squad here. You know what? I, I, It's either shop at Walmart or shop at Superstore. And Superstore is such a fucking, like, it's hippity hoppy time for the choppity. Um, 
but I bought I bought um a spaghetti strap camisole as a pajama shirt and I was like oh this is cute I feel like I'm 12 again but then I was also like I can't imagine wearing spaghetti straps out of my house Mm. you know and yet I look back at this and like the little ribbed tank tops and stuff I'm like damn it you're this is so cute it's very all the cute. ribbed tank tops and spaghetti strap camisoles. I love it. And it's a um, perfect everything old is new again because that's what the kids do be wearing now. Yes. So what is a one-liner that still lives red-free in your head? Um, it's, I don't know if it counts as a one-liner, but constantly on loop in my head is from the cheer. I can't remember which one it is, but the one that's like, I swear I'm not a whore. Like, it will just loop in my head constantly and will just get stuck in that very specific pitch as well. And I'm just like, I mean, like the whole, the whole opening cheer is like, oh. icon- like literally iconic. Like yes. it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, I so this is not truly a one-liner at all but um it might be the best delivery of a fart I've ever seen in (laughs) cinema when Torrance's brother basically like gets airtime and like presents himself before farting on her it's such a perfect little brother thing Uh, I will also say that actor Trevor Morgan actually ended up uh going on to act in one of my favorite movies that no one has seen which is Mean Creek um it's a great movie in which they accidentally kill Josh Peck. Oh. I yeah. <laughs> and Oh, and Scotty from Eurotrip is there. Oh, um, that's Scotty. Scotty does know in this case. He knows too much. Um, but yeah, the, the farts. Scotty too much. <laughs> this is exceptional younger brother acting as well. We didn't discuss this like earlier, but like yeah. this is prime like annoying younger brother character. And yeah, we had a lot of these annoying younger brother characters, like uh, Rory Culkin in um, in She's All That. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, that's the other person who's in Mean Creek. Is not Rory, but the third Culkin. Oh god, the third one. No, the wait, mysterious wait, no, one. Shit. Wait, no. Kieran is the middle one. Rory is the youngest. So which one was in She's All That? Macaulay? Was that Kieran? No, was it? Was, who was in She's All That? Was that Kieran or Rory? Let me, let me check. Let me check. Because Kieran is the one who's having a moment right now, right? And he was yeah, in Kieran's Pilgrim. succession. Yeah. And then Macaulay just got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, Has Rory done anything? And more importantly, was Rory in She's All That? I think also, like, as we're recording, it's like this uh, horrific number anniversary of She's All That. Um Ugh. Yeah. Which I'm done pretending was a good movie. No, it's not yeah. She's All That. It's uh, not another teen movie. <laughs> oh. I get them confused, of course. But uh, yeah, it's like the anniversary of uh, not another teen movie. Because Chris uh, Evans with whipped cream has been all over my timeline today. He um, used to be so charming. And he really so did. And then Kieran. Like it was boys. Kieran Culkin and She's All That. There we go. Completely different movie, but we just needed to know. Um, was it on Peak Show? No, it was it was a different. It was ten um, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten things. Oh, I might so do a not another teen movie episode though. A it's, classic, a classic of the it? genre. Lots, One of the best. Of like, um, uh, like, um. I am so bad with words lately. Apologies, but it is one of the best like um, satirical movies mm-hmm. that we have. Yeah, like that and like scary movie. The, that was such a brief era, the super spoof, um, mm-hmm. which actually not another teen movie. Like I often think when I think back to some of their cheers, um, 
the first thing that pops up though is my um is the not another teen movie version which is we ain't white we ain't white we definitely ain't white which that is something i say to myself a lot another uh term i often use is i will often refer to things as cheerocracies and that is my kind of like dental plan like if i say mm. cheerocracy and someone laughs i'm like hey i'm a millennial yeah. i, I love you. calling something it ocracy like i'll be like this yeah. is not a mitocracy like it's <laughs> it's a hockeyocracy um okay so what is uh what do you think is one of the worst age lines or scenes i mean the sexual predator <laughs> cheerleader it's so because not only is it like that's that's assault that's assault that's assault that's happening it's also wicked gross like it it's is like, and ew. it's humiliating it's like also, it's like that would be uncomfortable. <laughs> like, not a, like it's offensive to me. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't make sense logistically. <laughs> it's insulting on all levels. Okay, Stretch Armstrong. Yeah, <laughs> like I, ugh. I will also say that it's rare for me to think that anything has aged worse than an R word, um, because I really, really, I like most decent people. I hate the R word. Um, I've worked with a lot of special needs dancers in my life and um, trust me every single one of them knows that that word is mean like you're not, you're not getting one over it. on intellectually disabled people yeah but somehow yeah that scene is worse than the r word it's just icky it is it's just icky and mm-hmm. like the r word it's like wow a teen movie from the 2000s that have that like it's like well got me there kind of thing but like it's just ew <laughs> like and there's other ways to make this dude a creep you know what i mean like there's so yeah. many ways to make up there's so many ways for a man to be creepy it doesn't have to be like you fingering a girl during a cheer routine like Her finger is so blunt and gross it's really just straightforward i say this as i'm twirling my hair with yeah, my you're finger like, just like <laughs> focused on like yeah um <laughs> i'll see you later <laughs> oh god what am I saying? Um, anyway, so we did this on the... Whore! <laughs> so we did this on the Small Soldiers episode. So in this movie, Dunst is a better actor than blank, but a worse actor than blank. I mean, she's a better actor than Jesse Bradford. Bless his heart. Um, Everyone's a better actor than I Jesse would Bradford. argue a worse actor than Gabrielle Union. I feel like that's the easy answer, but I... No, I think there's, because everyone, besides, I guess, Eliza Dushku, everyone else in this movie besides them, even Jesse Bradford, I would count among this, like, everyone else is kind of oatmeal. Yeah, they're just there. They're just happy to be there. And we have the stunt casting of the hip-hop group Black, which, um, hey, everyone remember the hip-hop group Black Ivory, which was later just called Black, I believe. Love the 2000s. I love Me a stunt either. casting in the 2000s. That we gotta cast ages an entire great. band. <laughs> um, so then, same thing. This Kirsten Dunst movie is better than blank, but worse than blank. Ooh, okay, good one. Um, I'm trying to think of like all the Kirsten Dunst movies I've seen. Kirsten just, just pops up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think it is better than... Um, Give me a second here. I mean, it's worse. I'm going to say something controversial here, but I think it's worse than Spider-Man because I think the first Spider-Man is incredible. 
Mm-hmm. It's a superhero movie I think of quite often. Okay, since I was so controversial with my Spider-Man mm-hmm. take, I think this movie is worse than Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's better than Hidden Figures if we want to talk about a race movie for white people. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, so yeah, I'm going to try to figure out exactly where this is situated on the Dunge chart because like, this is where we're getting in like the really good this, shit. Like, Spider-Man is... Mm-hmm was a like a life-changing film kind of thing oh, yeah. for me. And I'm not even a Marvel person. Like, I, that movie was just, it's so... Anyways. The <laughs> Defoe of it all. Oh, um, my God. Okay. I think this movie is, and I'm going to say just better than... Um, shit, I had this. I think this movie <laughs> is um, just better than The Virgin Suicides. I actually believe this movie is better wow. than The Virgin Suicides, I mean, but just barely. Um, but it is worse than Drop Dead Gorgeous. Mm. Yeah. Drop Dead Gorgeous truly is that girl for me. So to conclude our thoughts on Bring It On, the ultimate question. You're watching this for the first time in 2023. We've talked about some of the social things in this movie that haven't aged well, some of the filmmaking things that haven't aged well. What are some of the things that have aged well to you, Liz? Well, I think the main thing that aged well that I kind of ranted about earlier is the idea that Torrance is like a realized character mm-hmm. and isn't ashamed of her like femininity kind of thing mm-hmm. and, and what her femininity, femininity um is to her like cheerleading is important to her and she doesn't care if you think it's stupid and she doesn't care if you think it's vapid like that is her and you're just gonna have to deal with it cliff yeah i i think the uh speaking of cliff Cliff. um fucking cliff fucking builder bar um (laughs) god i used to eat so many builder bars when i was lifting i'm so glad i don't have to pretend those are good anymore see Um, (laughs) to things that age poorly in the 2000s i used to eat a lot of those in university when i was like they're filling and i can eat that when i'm in the library all day it's fine it's fine yeah, it tastes like fucking stevia and brick um <sighs> so uh i think the um the relationship between torrance and stevia brick is something that has actually <laughs> sorry aging oh no <laughs> it's something that has aged incredibly well because he's such a prop yeah. Because, like, these days that would be seen as, like, a fucking statement. And I just mm-hmm. want to say, like, no, we were making this in 2000. Mm-hmm. That she, like, she is the one who calls the shots, kind mm-hmm. of. And, like, she opens herself up to him when she is good and ready. Mm-hmm. And I like that. It's not about him wearing her down or mm-hmm. her waiting for him. Uh, mm-hmm. He has to wait for her. Mm-hmm. She, and, and then I will also say the relationship between Torrance and Missy. Again, like, I am kind of sick of people acting like, oh, we need more portrayals of female friendship like we do. I mean, yes, we can always have more portrayals of female friendship, but let's not act like we weren't seeing really good portrayals in the 2000s in mm-hmm. mainstream comedy teen movies. Yeah. Just yeah. because it's not the exact portrayal that you have now decided we need kind of thing mm-hmm. doesn't mean it didn't exist because this was a great portrayal of female friendship. And I always see like the conversation like about this specifically is like, if this was made now, like Missy would be a lesbian kind of thing. And like, go off. Um, we all kind of thought she was sort of thing. Yeah. We're like, oh, okay. Um, There's no proof that Missy is not a lesbian. Exactly. She has yeah. no male interests. So there you go. But it's like, sometimes I think there's so much of a focus on getting like that diversity quota kind of thing mm-hmm. and our like remakes and like what you want to see. And like, you do want like queer media and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But 
it's when people are like, oh, she, they should they should have been a couple instead of like Torrance and Cliff. And it's like, no, I want Torrance with the Stevia bar. I never <laughs> thought I would say this, but it's okay for people to be straight. It's okay. Sometimes it's okay. <laughs> John Tavares, straight man. He's okay. <laughs> Hockey's for everyone night. John Tavares like, it's okay to be straight. <laughs> no but like that's the thing and i think that's something that's lost sometimes in that kind of like diversity like like laser focus kind of thing almost Mm. it's like no that is such a good like female friendship representation and it's not there's like no real conflict kind of thing like there's no like Thing they have to overcome and come back together like it's just a female friendship that exists in this movie and mm-hmm. is healthy and they're there for each other and they're totally cool and you don't need any kind of like i mean make missy a lesbian go off but you don't need like the extra layers of everything like yeah it's okay for them to just be friends and for torrent and maybe torrent will have an awakening in college we don't know but yes. let her have cliff bar right now who is just basically a sexy rocking horse and <laughs> Like, because like you said, their relationship, I think, is so important to Torrance because she is in charge. And that, again, is something that we didn't get in teen comedies. Like, usually there was that, like, oh, we have to, like, wait for him or, like, I need to, like, change in some way and, like, everything like that. Or, like, in Clueless, it was her stepbrother. Like, there's always something. (laughs) Jesse Bradford strikes me as the kind of man... (laughs) That you could and should sexually bully. <laughs> no, you're right. And Torrin should. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and so if I have to give up that to make Torrance a lesbian, I'm sorry. I, she'll, she can be as straight as a fucking two by four. Um, but yes, college awakening, we can definitely go Exactly. Um, all right, Liz. So thank you for being with us um, <laughs> on what has officially been the least hinged episode of Home for the Holodust. I like hinged. to pride myself on making all my episodes the least hinged of that. Uh, we are whatever. hinged for the Holodust. We are homo for the Holodust. <laughs> but not Torrance. <laughs> no. <laughs> Torrance ally. <laughs> ally. <laughs> But uh, if you want to once again plug where we can stalk and agree with you online, do it now. Yes, uh, you can yell at me for uh, supporting the streets on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) At, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, That's, uh, yeah, spelled Y-A. And that's kind of where I am right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, (laughs) see what's going on there. Who knows? Maybe uh, there's always something. It keeps you interested. I will say this. I know that Real Good Pros was, you know, like you might think there's not much re-listen value in that um, (laughs) because why would I care about a game that happened months or years ago? But let me tell you something. (laughs) Go back and listen to the Real Good Pros episode after Mike Bass. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say our drunk episode where we just like cried. (laughs) Just because a podcast is in hibernation doesn't mean there's not some great shit in that archive. No, definitely go back and listen to the Real Good Pros archives. Um, They are so fun. Uh, I would also recommend our quarantine episodes when they stopped hockey and we had to come up with content. (laughs) And so we just reviewed their like Instagram stories and everything like that. That was peak chaos. Um, I think there was a drunk episode in there as well where we did drunk hockey history. 
uh, which Weirdly, was really fun. Um, one of my TikToks that blew up recently was me talking about how my Roman Empire was Max Kerman accidentally revealing that Morgan Riley and Tessa were yes! dating. I saw like, that one and I was dying. Oh my well, god. And what time? I got to make fun of Connor, uh, make fun of Morgan Riley for Connor yeah. McDavid also undressing him. Um, so as for me, I've been your host, Brie Rody. You can find me not on the bad site. Crazy. Um, you can find me on Blue Sky at Prune Tracy or follow this podcast at Rec Room Tales. Uh, it is also on Twitter and it will probably always still be on Twitter. But will I update it? God only knows. Um, and tomorrow we are rounding out home for the holidays with my actual, actual favorite movie of all time, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It's going to get real sad up in here, and I probably should have thought ahead of time and ended it with Bring It On. <laughs> but whatever. Take it easy. I'm a cheer hater. <laughs>